Welcome to episode 145 of Material. I'm one of your two hosts this week, Russell Ivanovich. And I am also one of your two hosts. I am Andy Anatko. Russell, we're, we're going to have to like make... But I I'm I was about to do the math in my head but failed because Flo is not here. We are each taking up an additional half of one third. Of yes, it's that whole thirty three point three three reoccurring problem. It's it's plagued developers for a long time, Andy. I'm sure you know, and some of our listeners would know about floating point precision versus other types of precision and how things get lost. You can't represent like an exact number down to like a trillion decimal places, and it's just it's my developer brain is really hurting right now. Flo's is not though. She's on holidays. Lucky Flo. Uh, we're supposed to say on assignment, so it looks oh, like she's actually yeah. in in a, in a in a briefing room with Sundar Pichai, getting all the lowdown on what can be released. But again, and we're, remember, we're, if if we can just audibly put air quotes around vacation, <laughs> she's vacationing in Mountain View. Let's say, yes, no, no, she's no, she's having a far better time than either one of us. I think she is. And if you follow her Instagram, you'd be seeing some amazing photos of the places she's uh, on assignment in. <laughs> I wish I was on assignment, Andy. Looks so good. I know, I know. It's we we have to remind ourselves of the 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 filter that social media puts on everybody's lives. And I'm not I'm not just talking about people who like want to be put pictures on Instagrams who make their lives seem a lot more glamorous than ever. It's like when I'm having a good day or when I'm having a really cool adventure that I want to share with my friends. Yes, I put it on Instagram, and but when. Uh, when I I spilled like an entire like half a liter of of water off of my nightstand and into my bed and I'm yelling F F F F F F F F F and and grabbing (laughs) towels I don't Instagram that you see and that 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 did actually happen like last week fortunately I did not have any electronics in the bed so all I did was again dump 500 milliliters of of water into so ruining the comforter ruining the and it was and it was like eh, anyway so yes you don't you don't see me you know i don't document the times when i'm feeling like a loser because i'm spending more time in self-pity and sulking uh, and not time figuring out how the camera works yeah, maybe we should. Maybe we, maybe we need to be more real. Although I have to say, I am very envious of uh, all the flows photos. So if she's doing an amazing job at social media, because you're right, that's the number one purpose of social media is to make all your friends look at you and go, man, I wish I led the life that uh, he or she did. It looks amazing. <laughs> yes, or up, up our games. Um, <laughs> well, we have, so we have some, we're going to lead off with some sad news so we can get past the sad news. Uh, we're recording on Wednesday night. Uh, and as most of you, of course, uh, realize, uh, yesterday there was a shooting on the YouTube main campus uh, in San Bruno, California. Uh, a shooter. Some of you were might have been tuning in, tuning out, and don't know the full story. Uh, the basic details are that uh, a shooter entered the shooter entered uh, YouTube's uh, campus through a parking garage. Uh, did not get into the main building, but she fired upon employees that were sitting in an open courtyard uh, with a handgun. Uh, three employees were wounded, uh, and after she uh, did that, she took her own life. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the uh, the workers who were uh, who were wounded uh, two of them were women they were admitted to the hospital on Tuesday in fair condition and they were released on Wednesday morning uh, the third victim was a male and he was upgraded from critical condition to serious condition uh, today on Wednesday so uh, we don't know more about uh, his status but uh, that's we're very very grateful to uh, whatever God lack of God or or a system of physics that has led uh, YouTube employees from 
not making that, not suffering the ultimate suffering. Um, the shooter apparently didn't know the victims at all. Uh, she appeared to be just choosing targets at random. And uh, it appears that, again, this is still 24 hours old, but it appears that she was, uh, she was, a, she was a YouTuber with several channels. As you know, uh, back in December, Google started to respond to the problem of super, super offensive content on YouTube. Uh, also, the problem of advertisers being shocked when some of their ads for dishwashing liquid or whatever get placed on top of super, super offensive content. Uh, and so as the start of trying to address that problem, they try to make it harder for people who post this kind of content to monetize their content. Uh, and so they kind of, they did probably the most effective first step they could take, even though it was, uh, they cut a very, very wide swath. They basically made it more difficult for the small fish to monetize. You, normally, uh, you'd have to get something like a thousand subscribers, and I think 10,000 views before monetization kicks in, and they upped that a whole level. So uh, immediately, a lot of like small uh, YouTubers basically lost all of their advertising income. They actually called the community was calling it the de the great demonetization. Also, they uh, Google put more human operators looking at content and flagging it for being inappropriate, which would also cause it to lose monetization. Uh, it and uh, this apparently had uh, affected the the female shooter. Uh, she was very, very, very angry about it based on her posts on websites that, of course, were shut down by their uh, social media companies uh, before that. Her family also said that she was very, very upset with YouTube. Uh, and, and the nature of the post she was making indicated that she was having uh, – she was finding it impossible to divert her anger in non-aggressive, non-violent ways. Let's put it that way. Um. Sundar Pichai uh, sent an email to all employees uh, on the uh, on Tuesday uh, explaining the situation, ending with, uh, I'm quoting here, I know a lot of you are in shock right now. Over the coming days, we will continue to provide support to help everyone in our Google family heal from this um, unimaginable tragedy. Let's help everyone. Let's everyone come together now to support Susan. This would be Susan Wojcicki, uh, YouTube CEO, and the YouTube team. Uh, they were just, uh, the campus, I think, is still largely shut down today. Uh, some uh, Employees were let in for like about 10 minutes at a time to pick up their cars, go to their office and get whatever like medications or personal belongings they needed to get back out again. I believe it's still a crime scene, that they, although they seem to know exactly. Uh, they, they seem to have a good handle on what happened. Um, so we, I, I know that we have a lot of people at Google who are uh, who listen to the show. And this is a terrible situation for you folks. And we're sorry that you're going through it right now. We can't, uh, I can't. Uh, I can't even begin to imagine the feelings you're going through. Uh, and you don't even have to be working at Google or, excuse me, at YouTube or on that campus or know some of the people who were running, had to run out there uh, into the parking lot, uh, fearing for their lives. You really, there is uh, one of the things about working for a large company with such a huge identity is that it does feel like a family. It does feel like a, like a hometown of some kinds, so and they certainly have the population of a hometown. So it's um, it must be terrible to feel like there was a, an attack on your hometown on members of your extended family. Uh, and again, I have no idea what that feels like. Thank heavens, uh, but um, there are a lot of people who are with you and thinking of you uh, at this time. Now, um, 
the other reason why I wanted to make sure that we let off with this, uh, apart from feeling like fools if we didn't talk about this, is I'm speaking personally here, okay? I'm not speaking on behalf of the Material Podcast or Relay.fm. I want to make sure that if anybody is offended or uh, reacts to what I'm saying, it's, it's what I'm saying and what nobody else is saying. I'm proud to be an American. It's silly. It sounds like a the most glib thing to say, and so many people do say it in such a glib fashion. But I am so proud of my identity as an American. With all this country's faults, with all the things that I feel like we have to apologize for, things that we can't possibly apologize for, uh, it's I, I feel like it's the greatest country in the world for me. And I'm so glad that America was here for uh, two sets of grandparents when they were facing horrible situations uh, in Eastern Europe and uh, they needed a place where they could survive uh, and America was there for them. With ups and downs and all of its foibles and all the barriers they put against uh, certain people, I've and not that America is the only place where people can find a better life and freedom, but I'm so happy with this country. I'm so happy to be here. And it's on that basis that I say that there are things about this country that almost make me want to vomit. And we are the fact that we're known as the country where this thing happens. It, and it's not the only country where it happens. You can, you can certainly find news stories about somebody in every other country again, uh, unable to find an expression for their emotions that is short of uh, using a gun, not even any kind of a weapon, but specifically a gun and shooting people at random. Not the only place where it happens, but that's the only place, we're the only country where it seems to be part of our identity, where not that people seem to feel as though they have permission to do it, but I feel as though if you live in America... And you have lived here long enough that you have seen the monthly, sometimes weekly national news stories about, again, random person going into a public place, shooting people at random. It feels like you don't it feels like you're not doing something that is completely beyond the pale. This is uh, criminal behavior, but it is normal criminal behavior, something that happens all the time. And so when these evil thoughts enter your mind again the the right kind of mind or shall I say the wrong kind of mind this is a country in which you feel like no that happens all the time it's it's this is this is how people react to things it doesn't sound like if i decided that i'm going to i don't know rent uh, i'm i'm going to do something to kill a hundred thousand people in an entire city. I figured out something I can I can do to kill a hundred thousand people in a city. If that idea popped into my mind, I would know that's crazy. That is like cartoon supervillainry. Why did you even think of that? Whereas, if you are in that kind of emotional state where you say, "I'm going to get a gun and shoot people at random," you can match that to video you've seen several times in the course of a year. Um. And this is the time uh, where you might expect me to go off on a rant about gun control in this country. I do believe that. Um, Actually, Andy, can, system- can, I, can I just interject here, just just really quickly? Um, 
and I'll let you finish your point, but I just want to make a point about Australia, and this is this is relevant because I'm Australian. Obviously, I'm not proud to be American because I'm not an American, as you can tell <laughs> tell by my accent. Um, the the thing is, and I don't want to get into American politics. That I know that's a hot button issue. I know the second you do, a lot of our listeners will get defensive. But I want to tell you a little bit about what happened in Australia for those of you that aren't familiar. Um, we obviously aren't as country as big as you. I think we're 23 million people or whatever. But we did actually have our own version of a problem with mass shootings. We had 18. In fact, in the uh, the lead up to a big political event that happened here, and this was, I think, about twenty years ago. Now we had a conservative government in power, um, the equivalent of, I guess, your um, not the Democrats. What are the other ones? Republicans. Republicans. The equivalent of your Republican Party was basically in power, um, and there was a mass shooting that happened in Tasmania, so one of the states of Australia, and the government at the time decided that enough was enough. You know, eighteen of these things in a row, and they're like, well, we've seen enough. And um, the conservative government actually brought in. A whole bunch of laws that says, first of all, says you can't buy semi-automatic weapons, and um, there was a buyback scheme. They bought them all back. There was a huge controversy, and I tell you, their supporter base was completely against it. Like there was people on farms that that you know, and all the same arguments you hear in your country of, ah, oh, but what if someone comes into my house? You know, the bad guys will have guns, and the good guys will have guns, and now I won't have my gun. Load. I won't, won't be able to protect myself. All the same arguments that were made in the US. Um, were made over here and I really don't want to wade into the validity of any of those arguments except to say that since they introduced that law um, some 20 years ago, not a single mass shooting since, not not mm-hmm. one. And you can literally point to the point where that law was introduced um, and where it was carried out and where the, the buyback and various other sort of bans went into place and not a single one since. And I I, I really don't want to say what America should or shouldn't do, That's that's not my place, but I think that is an interesting data point is that we feel so frustrated as other countries out there sort of looking at what's happening there and it's it's tragic and I understand there's issues with the Second Amendment and all that stuff. I really don't want to get into any of that. I just want to say that here in Australia it's an issue we had and it's an issue a conservative government of ours um, put their foot down about and their their base was not happy about it like at all. They were really angry at, at how could a conservative government do that to us. But since then I tell you what, I can, I can walk into a shopping centre, I can walk into a school, I can go to my place of work and we... We don't have active shooter drills. We don't do any of that sort of stuff in Australia simply because it's not an issue here anymore. And I I don't know how to better underscore that point except to say that this is a country I'm proud to bring my kids up in because I know they go to school and they don't don't do these drills. They don't have to do these drills because it's an issue we tackled as a country. And it wasn't – I'm not going to pretend it's easy. Like I remember being a kid when all this stuff um, was being introduced. It wasn't wasn't an easy topic. The government at the time had a lot of trouble getting it through. But I really do – feel like something needs to be done. I don't, I don't want to suggest a course of action for your country. That's not my place. But I do feel like there's a data point here. You look at Australia and we're very similar cultures. You know, we, we play all the same violent video games you do. We watch all your violent movies. We do all that stuff. And yet we've managed to fix this problem. And I'd, I'd love, I I'd really would love, that's the honest truth, is I'd love for America to, to find a way, a bipartisan way to actually solve this issue, to put aside like, oh, I'm conservative, I'm not conservative, I'm left-wing, I'm right-wing, I don't give a damn. Like there should be some way to, to navigate this in a bipartisan sort of way to, to fix this issue. It's an issue that can be fixed. It's an issue that the rest of the world, um, like Australia, has addressed and it's an issue that, yeah, yeah it's just sad. America needs yeah. to as well. Yeah, I mean it's – I don't know what the right answer is either. All I'm saying is that the data – as you point out, is incontrovertible. It doesn't happen in other countries, only here, which means that we have a problem. And whether guns are the source of the problem or guns are the most violent expression of a deeper-seated problem, we are not going to start addressing this until we start facing it. 
And part of what sickens me about this is how quickly this stops being about preventing innocent people from being killed and starts becoming about mobilizing your political base. There are reasons why in this country a gun manufacturer cannot be sued for for product liability, and that's because the gun lobby insisted that it be so. There are reasons why the Centers for Disease Control, uh, the medical government organization whose job it is to keep us safe by doing research onto how we get killed, is not allowed to do any research whatsoever on gun deaths. This is an artificial limitation being imposed by the gun lobby. I am sickened by the efforts of the gun lobby to not just politicize gun ownership and gun use in America, but to politicize the politics of people who use guns in America. Now, I I can either go on for two more minutes or two more hours. I'm going to select two more minutes because I don't want to try uh, my, my blood pressure or the listener's patience. But here is, I, I am not opposed to gun ownership in America. I think that um, I know lots of people, particularly in the area where I live, who use guns for sport. Uh, I was, <laughs> my third year after moving down here, I got, went, came back home, this is an absolutely true story, after a week away uh, at, at, a, at, a, at a conference or something, and to get, turn off the main road to get on to get into my neighborhood and then before taking the final right to get to the up to my house, passed by uh, a neighbor of mine who's a hunter and has uh, goes on hunting trips with his buddies. And <laughs> as if decorating uh, the big oak tree outside his house for Halloween, there were like four, five, six, seven deer had been skinned and hanging upside down and bleeding out and it was, wow. it was very festive <laughs> and i and i and i actually and i wasn't sickened by that i thought it was well per, i thought it was funny and of course one of the other neighbors said yeah i think that next time you do not do that because that's kind of gross for all the kids <laughs> they're, they're they're people who hunt for sport they're people who hunt and they have a, a family tradition of it that's how they connect generation after generation they're people who hunt in part to fill their freezer in the in the garage with meat for the winter uh, even if you're not even if you're uh, owning a gun for self-protection i think everybody has to acknowledge that there are people for whom uh owning uh, buying a handgun for self-protection isn't a hollywood fantasy uh it is reality that there is when they think of when they say they own a handgun for protection it is to protect them against a person in particular who has promised to kill them and so those people also I'm not going to interfere with their uh, with their need for a handgun, but what I do want to interfere with is well-funded, well-politically connected people who are not willing to talk about gun control. Their position is no gun control of any kind is ever allowable on any basis, even something that might lead to information or data that might lead to a perfectly logical and rational rule that would affect ownership of guns is not to be allowed. The last part of this is that, again, I don't know if guns are the problem. That's why I'm not 100% sure that simply banning all private uh, gun ownership in America would effectively solve anything. My fear is that 
especially in 2018, there was an almost magical march uh, after, and here's the phrase that also sickens me, the latest school mass shooting in which all over this country, hundreds of thousands and hundreds of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people motivated by kids organizing flooded the streets of major cities protesting the situation with guns in this country. And some way extreme uh, gun owners their response to this is well i'm going to get my i'm going to get my ar15 with a with a with a banana magazine and i'm going to sling it over my shoulder because this is an open carry state and i'm going to sit stand there on the street corner with this gun fully exposed and my arms crossed and staring at them cuz they know that i want them to know that i have a gun and i'm going to be standing here and that's what makes me think that this is that sort of person will still be here even if we can magically take all the guns away. And this person is going to find a way to further metastasize the cancer that caused guns to be a problem in the first place. This isn't me making a political statement about what anybody should do. I think, listeners, you should vote for whomever you want to vote for. Uh, and your position on guns should be whatever it's going to be. I'm just saying that I'm sick and tired of this aspect of America. I feel like the cancer is going to spread before it gets contained because collectively, not as individuals, but collectively, we lack the will to contain it. And we would just much rather let this fire burn and just hope it doesn't consume the entire country. That's all I have to say. And again, this was a very, very selfish thing for me to put into the show notes because I felt like I would not feel good about myself if I didn't talk out some of the things I'm feeling on our Google podcast about a shooting that happened on the campus of a Google company or sorry, Alphabet company. And we will move on from this after Boy, how, what luck, how lucky it is that the, our advertiser has the first ad spot after we go through this very, very happy, happy thing. So I'm sorry. Thank you very much. I will now sit back and let you be advertised at. <laughs> no, no, in, in all seriousness, Andy, I think I think that was well said. I don't have anything else to to add to that. So just consider, you know, something to consider. And it is it is a turning point, you know, in, in the history of your country as well. I think that's important. And like you said, it involves Google. So that's, that's also why it's on the show. Um, I will go to our first uh, sponsor break, though, just before we get to uh, some more Google news. Uh, our first sponsor for this week is Squarespace, and this episode of Material is brought to you by them. Uh, you can make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for your next idea. Um, you can grab a unique domain name, some award-winning templates and more. Um, maybe you want to create an online store. Maybe you want to create a portfolio or a blog. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. Uh, there's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. Uh, Squarespace has that all covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. Um, and all these award-winning templates that I mentioned, you know, they're beautifully designed. They're easy for you to show off your great ideas. So if this sounds like your kind of thing, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can start a trial today with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash material. And when you decide to sign up, make sure you use the offer code material to get 10% off your first purchase uh, of your website or domain and to show your support for this show. Uh, once again, squarespace.com slash material, the offer code's material to get 20, uh, 10% off your first purchase. And we want to thank Squarespace so much for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. <laughs> 
Now, there was some, boy, was there big news a couple of days ago. <laughs> Remember when there was like a whole bunch of, uh, there was a class action suit uh, for uh, tech workers in the San Francisco Bay Area claiming that Apple and Facebook and Google and all of the big tech companies had an informal agreement that said they would never poach uh, employees from each other's companies to prevent all these really, really talented and valuable engineers from being able to get market rate for their services. Well, obviously, they've moved past that. Uh, Apple has just poached one of the biggest, one of the biggest plums at Google. Uh, they are the, the Apple's, uh, excuse me, Google's head of search and artificial intelligence, John Giandria, sorry, uh, who he joined the company in 2010 uh, when Google uh, bought the company for which he was a chief technology officer. And he was indeed the head of search and artificial intelligence. Uh, that was his title. Uh, Apple uh, said that in a public statement that uh, he's going to be running Apple's, quote, machine learning and artificial intelligence strategy, unquote. Uh, and boy, another big tip off. Uh, he's going to be one of only 16 executives who report directly to Tim Cook and nobody else. Uh, and also the fact that they're saying AI strategy as opposed to help Siri not be quite as dumb as it sometimes <laughs> seems to be. Uh, that means that <laughs> they, they've decided to rip out the gas guzzling carbureted V6 engine from their, from, from, from part of their machinery and replace it with something that really, really smokes the, smokes the quarter mile. Uh, Cook sent an email to all staff, which she must've known was going to leak out. Uh, I'm quoting here. Our technology must be infused with the values we all hold dear. Uh, he said in uh, uh, an email that was obtained by the New York Times, continuing the quote, John shares our commitment to privacy and our thoughtful approach as we make computers even smarter and more personal. So it's not only an infusion of artificial intelligence and machine learning pretty much across the board to everything they do. It's also the firepower to uh, overcome probably their biggest handicap in artificial intelligence in which they just Apple just does not ingest enough data to teach its machine learning systems much of anything or how to do anything really, really great. Whereas Google, with the permission of its users of a kind, one level or another, uh, is just they're always learning that the AI is always improving. Uh, and I have no idea what's going to happen with Apple now that they have some guy like this on the bench. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing about this story, right? Is this this is a very big hire from uh, Apple? I think the other interesting part is I don't I don't think the Google AI division is suddenly going to collapse because their chief left. I'm sure he's built like an amazing team underneath him, and having worked at companies uh, at that scale, there'll be someone else to take his role. And it seems like they're already headed in a good direction. The bit that gets me excited, and this is completely unpartisan, I know sometimes. Um, you know, this show and like other people like Google, 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 down with Apple. But I feel like <laughs> Apple has been so far behind in this game that it's it, it gets really painful sometimes when you try to interact with Siri and you ask the most basic of questions and it doesn't seem to understand you. And they've had, it feels like when they first brought Siri on board, that was a revolutionary new like technology and the, the personal assistant was going to be it. And it just hasn't gone that far in all this time. I really, I really think we need more companies in the space. Um, if anything, if you're a massive, massive Google fan, you're like, I only care about Google, don't care about Apple, um, this will drive Google to do better. If Apple gets better in yeah. this space, what's Google going to do? Then They're not going to sit by and let sort of Apple uh, run rings around them. They're going to see what their competitors are doing. And they're like, we're going to try to be, be one better. So I, 
yeah, I see this as a positive for both. I mean, I'm sure Google's not happy about losing the, the <laughs> chip unless there was some kind of internal spat, which there's been nothing in the, the news about um, that, that I've seen. So this seems like, yeah, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be happy with it if you got his resignation letter sort of come across your desk. But I do see it as a positive thing for you know both companies going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly when you get the if, if it were Facebook, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> Crap. I don't want Facebook to get any better at anything because the things that they are good at are bad for me <laughs> and maybe the planet. Uh, but I love the idea of Apple bringing their own personal point, their, their own specific company point of view uh, to artificial intelligence where Google has succeeded, like I said, by being able to ingest huge mounds of information and feeding it to machine learning. You can tell from the language that uh, Apple, ha that uh, Tim Cook used both privately and semi-publicly, that their point, their point of view is we, there must be a way to do AI on a very, very high level without having to look at lots and lots of personal information. So, and if they crack that, that would be <laughs> that the, the, uh, Apple is doing so well of not only maintaining uh, privacy and uh, your, the integrity of your personal data uh, as part of their ethos, but also communicating that as a core feature of anything with the Apple logo stuck onto it. And unless, unless Facebook has a real come to Jesus meeting <laughs> and or kicks out, kicks out, kicks out their CEO. <laughs> I mean, these, these stories about, Hey, another 80 million uh, data sets of personal information just got leaked out. Another company, uh, phone app has been collecting text messages and scraping. Even, uh, even though you didn't know about it, you apparently gave them permission to do that. And that's going to make people think, I don't like paying 34% more for the equivalent phone or laptop to Apple, but I can make another $271 very, very quickly, but I can't get back all the personal data that leaked out of the phone of a company that does not have <laughs> personal user data privacy as one of their 10 commandments. Yeah, so th this is this is one of the core issues when it comes to AI, right, is when you're trying to uh, build machine learning models, I can tell you as a developer, like you need tons of data. And it, even the pr privacy sort of aspects of that aside, that's how you build machine learning models. You have to build them on top of data. You have to test them against data. You, it, it's all about data, data, data. And you could see Apple took this approach, I think a year or so ago now, maybe two, um, where they're like, oh, you know, we don't need this data. We can index your photos on your particular device, so your iPad or your iPhone. We can try and figure out what's a tree and what's a cat um, based on that data. And then we don't even sync that data. We just recompute it on every single device you own. And at the time, that seemed ridiculous. And I, I think as that's played out, you kind of look at it and you're like, they're... Their image recognition is still not to the, anywhere near the level of Google. So, in that particular instance, I, I don't think it's worked out for them. I, I think the, they, the, that particular approach they took didn't work. I wonder if there's some in between one where they can still potentially um, use all this data and then maybe delete it after 24 hours. Or I don't know. I'm not not sort of in that space, but I'm sure they could do something to say we're better than all the other companies. Here's what we do with your data. But I, I do think they need to be a bit smarter about they can't process the photos in the very specific photos example and on all apple devices you own and then not sync that data anywhere that's just that is a strategy just doesn't work yeah i, I think that they've they've certainly paid attention to uh, google's uh, I, I don't i hate using the word pivot because it's, it's a word that <laughs> people who i feel that i'm better than use when they don't know what to say uh, but when when google decides sometimes it's just as simple as the ceo and keynotes having a message that really summarizes bigger ideas that the company has. And when Sundar started describing Google as an AI company, 
uh, and thus implying that every single they don't have an AI prop AI uh, uh, AI project called the Google Assistant. They have a deep, deep bench of of talent and learning uh, that can apply AI to pretty much everything that they do. Which is why when uh, when uh, Apple talks about the improvements they've made, to how much better the photos of the new iPhone take uh, are than the ones that were taken by last year's iPhone. They talk about the new lenses and the new uh, and the new uh, sensor technology and the new dual uh, 3D arrays they've done. Google says that we have ways of figuring out why the, what the what what better picture was was actually in front of this camera when our weak mobile sensor took that picture and restore uh, all of the exposure values that were lost and all the detail uh, that was lost and just like you said it's wonderful when you have two you don't want to see serena williams face off at wimbledon against me <laughs> well <laughs> that's actually, not fun to watch actually well, it'd be fun, I'd, I'd it'd be fun to that. watch for the yeah exactly <laughs> I, 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 hey i would take that to just be able to say hi from my stretcher as they're carting me <laughs> off 38 seconds into play uh you really want her to play the you really want the best in the business to yeah. face off against the other best in the business not only is it great to watch uh, in technology also means you wind up as a consumer getting really really great products so as with pretty much everything else that happens when google and apple go head to head boy this is wonderful to watch just like when i i, I could not have been happier at uh, apple's uh, education event a couple of weeks ago to see apple in, in as many words say we our education strategy for the ipad was wrong Google's strategy was totally right. <laughs> or you, you, you love it, and there are really smart reasons why you love the Chromebook. We listened, and so we've added more Chromebook-like features to the iPad. And my God, this thing is wonderful. So that's we all we all benefit when uh, when that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this in the past when some company takes like such a lead that no other company can catch up. Um, they don't end up. Get, you know, stretching it out for like 10 years and 20 years. All they do is they sit back and they go, well, no one can touch us now. So next year's product is the same as last year's product. I hope you like it. <laughs> we we put green on it. No, I'm, you guys love green, right? <laughs> you buy it. It's green. It's green. Next year it's pink. Congratulations. It's pink. Like that's, <laughs> as a fan of technology, that's not the kind of thing I want to see. And that's why hires like this are kind of excite me. I was also excited. Um, uh, Apple had a the Chris Latner, the inventor of Swift, when he went to Tesla. I was really disappointed when that didn't work out because I was like, you know, what's the other thing we need is, you know, driverless cars and sort of that sort of thing sort of become mainstream. So, yeah, this this kind of stuff really excites me. Hopefully it goes to Apple. Hopefully, you know, he embeds himself well, gets along with everyone, you know, has a team under him and they do some amazing things. And hopefully we're sitting here like a year or two from now and going like, wow, that thing that Apple just released is amazing. Like I wonder what yeah. Google can do to, to top that. They kind of, the he kind of had to be a top level executive uh, because I'm sure that that's that was part of the carrot they dangled in front of him. Yeah. I'm sure that I'm sure also a boatload of money, but also <laughs> the idea that no, you, you will not assign. <laughs> we we will not we will not assign you to uh iCloud the iCloud photos team to help sort and date photos. I we, we you are going to be in charge of everything that involves AI. Uh but the, the also the fact that he reports directly to Tim at a company like Apple it also means that whatever meetings and whatever uh, you don't even call them interviews but whatever get acquainted sessions that they had uh, they felt as though he was a good uh, personality fit for the entire team because they really do huddle up quite a bit and they of course there's arguments and there's fights but they are you people don't get to that get hired or promoted into that level unless they are capable of 
adding to the strengths of everybody else on that team as opposed to being there to put your own flag in the ground. So again, exciting, exciting stuff. Um, another exciting thing that uh, has been uh, cut and pasted as we had not had time <laughs> from two or three different, uh, two or three previous shows, but I, I think the world of this. A few weeks ago, uh, Google announced uh, the uh, a new initiative they're calling the Google News Initiative. Uh, they've made a $300 million investment uh, to combat what we in with what we in America call with decreasing levels of jocularity fake news, uh, uh. the uh, the the, the uh, Google blog page explaining basically the idea is that uh, according to the Google pages uh, they have the, the Google News Initiative will build on the, these efforts and deepen our commitment to a news industry facing dramatic shifts in how journalism is created, consumed, and paid for, and focuses on three objectives. Uh, one, elevate and strengthen quality journalism. Two, evolve business models to drive sustainable growth. And third, empower news organizations through technological innovation. Uh, so essentially, so some examples they're giving is that uh, in the Google search page uh, and really beefing up their breaking news algorithms uh, so that normally to, to make sure that a breaking news item kind of will break the rules of how you how Google normally ranks searches so that the relevance to the search or the fact that it was or the fact that it was posted most recently will not matter as as much as this is breaking news and it's from a known authoritative source. So that sort of stuff is going to bubble to the top, particularly uh, when you have a breaking news story uh, and also and also just things as simple as helping news organizations to actually make money. So uh, some of it is that how do you get payments from people? So there's uh, there's a new uh, they call it a sign in with Google uh, single sign in and payment subscription service uh, through for news publications that they can put on their sites that will help make it really really easy with Google Pay and other other stuff to make it really to make sure that there is the fewest level of amount of time and decisions go through uh, a uh, weak-minded reader's impulse to pay money for news and getting that getting the digits of, off that credit card uh, and safely <laughs> into the accounts uh, and uh, also uh, the subscribe sources are going to be surfaced when people have a subscription for instance to the New York Times or uh, the Wall Street Journal paywall uh, and they do a, just a general Google search. The Google knows that this person subscribes to the Washington Post. So this stuff that's as essentially valuable because they paid for it, again, will get a higher priority than just a Joe Random uh, news site. Uh, and then also they're getting new consumer insights uh, on their analytics dashboard for these papers to help them understand who their readers are. And lots of other stuff. There's a like a essentially investing in uh, – research projects that will improve digital uh, information literacy for for kids uh, uh something they're calling the disinfo lab uh, alongside an organization called first draft again that will actively fight uh, misinformation and disinformation during elections and uh, breaking news stories um and actually the thing that the thing that i think could be the most powerful uh, and actually save lives is that um jigsaw and we've talked about jigsaw before this is an alphabet company that is has the uh, grand eloquent job of healing the entire world. Uh, they're not, they're not just, it's they're, a small they're, they're, they're exactly. Well, it's a small planet. It's only one planet. <laughs> That's true. You Think know, about how so. many billions and trillions of planets there are. It's just, just one. <laughs> exactly. Um, there, there, there's, there's amoeba on Europa that are being unhelped by, by, by <laughs> alphabet. Um, but no, literally they they are big ideas. They are, again, how do we, how do we identify people who might, who are, whose Google, whose Google searches are radicalizing them to violent, uh, 
violent ideas and help steer them towards information they need to realize that these violent ideas are silly and how do we save lives by people who just need to get access to uh, data and information in places where that's being used as a tool against them. So um, they basically have they have they have a new uh, product slash service uh, called uh, they're calling Outline, uh, and it is a fully open sourced and audited by an outside source uh, corporate uh, VPN service. And it's not that hey you get you you sign up with a Google ID and you and you get your VPN through Google. It's no, you put this software on your own servers or on your own computers, and you can create your own VPN that Google and nobody else knows about. And it's completely controlled by you. And outside auditors are making sure that they are looking at the code to make sure that no one's sneaking anything in uh, to compromise you. Uh, and it's uh, it's hard to over. Uh, overstate how important secure communications is for journalists, uh, not just the the Robert Redford style movie dialogue of, oh, well, the governor is trying to it wants to cut the brake lines to your car because you're getting too close to the financial transactions that you shouldn't be part of. We're talking about parts of the country where a source that wants to tell you about the 3000 people who got killed by the government and was hushed up. If that government has any idea that he's talk, he or she is talking to the New York Times or even a local reporter, uh, that person is dead, and the reporter is dead, and more bad things happen. So this is so VPN is and and encryption is a tool that helps save lives by protecting the lives of people who want to make sure that dangerous secrets don't st- don't stay secret. So that's radical thinking. I really love these ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Actually, I wanted to say so that's all the, the breakdown of, you know, all the things that uh, Google has announced. I wanted to kind of get your opinion as a journalist, Andy, and I don't want to dive into this topic for like three hours or anything. I'm sure we could talk about it forever. <laughs> but I, I did want to know, like, do you think specifically the payment side of this, um, do you think this is something that will make a difference to news organizations? I'd say so because they don't, uh, they don't have there, – there's no one standard. It's often not easy at all. And usually, the um, you sub you might subcontract that part of the job out, and the subcontractor is handling payments for lots of different publications. And at some point, at some meeting inside that organization, they said, "Hey, if we're getting all this information from so many dis- different sources, let's start collecting a lot more information based on that stuff." And you don't really have control over the process. Uh, so the fact that someone don't you trust things? I, I trust transactions a lot more when I see an Apple Pay logo or like a PayPal logo. I know that if I click this button, I will be taken away from this site into PayPal. Yeah. I will log in. And I, I, if I have built trust with Apple Pay or Google Pay or PayPal, that trust now applies to the transaction I'm having with this maker of Renaissance feathered hats. Yeah, I uh, have exactly the never- same thing. So I, I don't even personally like PayPal as a company. I find some of their dealings like quite shady and annoying, but yeah. I trust them. I, when I see it on a website and it's one of the, the options there, you know, put your credit card in, do this, and I see a PayPal button, I almost always hit the PayPal button because I'm like, no matter what I think of the actual company, like I, I, I trust them to, to secure my transaction and do the right thing because that's that's their job. So yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like if you see like a trusted name there and you're familiar with the checkout process, because that's the other thing, you know, things like PayPal and, and Google and Apple have going for them is you've probably used the service before. So you know how a transaction works. You know that a window is going to pop up. You know that it already has your details. Like you're very familiar with, with how that part of it works. Yeah. And it's actually, it's really relevant to me right now 
because um, I'm probably going to be starting a, a new tech blog or at least adapting my existing at outgo.com site to be more tech oriented. I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of work for a lot of people. I'm talking to other people about being a columnist for their publication, but I do want to, as part of this, uh, uh, leaving the sun times and having a chance to really look at restructure my business in the way that I can be most happy at doing it, uh, find some way to have like uh, reader supported content and, uh, there's so many services that will allow you to simply let me, let us take it completely off your hands. You get you, you the the user will never see us the service that's helping you out, uh, but it will make it. Uh, we will if if I had to have the if I had the if I had the responsibility of creating even a one person part time marketing staff whose job it is to find to collect to collect money and to find advertisers and to find a system that that flows money into my pockets i probably wouldn't bother with it i'd probably just have a free site uh, but the but knowing that it would be very very simple for me to put in this this uh, this system that would be very uh, very very friendly to users that would for the people who want to uh, to uh, automatically pay five dollars towards uh, towards this site every single month or for and even for uh, additional features and additional content very very easy for me to do so why don't I do that um, one of the things that was a sticking point between myself and the in the Sun Times over the past over the last uh, three years was that they had a lot of different strategies in how to monetize content and how to you know, make some money off the site, and so many of them were so obtrusive to the user that honestly, I almost I almost like my eyes would twitch right before I would I would write out the tweet that hey I've got a new column about the, my review of the iPhone eight is 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 up on the site here's the link. And I'm about to click the button that said the post. And again, there'll be eye twitching because I know the first 18 <laughs> responses are not going to be, wow, you clearly spent three weeks working very, very hard to, to come up with a really, really con uh, con uh, exhaustive, uh, exhaustive uh, column. And if you and if you had any idea, of how, if we had any idea of how little the sometimes was paying you for that three weeks of effort, we would probably be really, really sick all over our keyboards. You no, know, the first 18 is going to be, wait, I have to fill out like a survey of my buying references screw you i'm not gonna read that i'm like and i wanted to say yeah but see i'm i'm sorry my my, my name is actually andy sometimes i own the entire <laughs> paper i make all I these run decisions. the marketing division yeah. and the yeah, so so yeah. so these so these are these are ways to not only give people a familiar interface and a trusted interface but also to give them something that's more workable so again this is perfectly voluntary so a lot of people probably aren't going to use it some people are but it really does it's hard to figure out exactly where uh, all three of these prongs uh, how they really benefit google as much as they benefit uh, the journalists who are uh, creating really really good content so this is this is why i give google a lot of leeway uh, that I don't give like Facebook, not not only because of factual things in the news about horrible things that Facebook does, but I do believe that part of the transaction that I engage in when I give them so much personal information, not only are they uh, are they being very very protective of that information, but also I feel as though Google is a company that does a lot of really really good things, and that's part of why I'm willing to cut them. I'm willing to give them a level of trust. Uh, that I wouldn't give a lot of other companies. Yeah, no, agreed. Couple more, couple more things. Uh, let, let's let's start. Let's start with uh, something a little bit lighter because the last the the last thing on the on this thing is a slightly darker, and we'll 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 see if we don't have time for it. Uh, 
really good rumors saying that uh, the 2018 Pixel phone lineup, which we're expecting sometime September, October. Yes, yeah, uh, Something like that. Uh, that uh, there's going to be a new third budget-friendly Android One Pixel phone. Uh, and because people have uh, on a, uh, on a site that I did not take a no- take a notice of has seen screenshots of like product pages uh, that shows a very very nice looking an- uh, pixel type phone from Google called the Des- code name the Desire, uh, which in itself is interesting because Google just bought HTC and HTC did have the HTC Desire phone. Yeah, I remember that phone. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, it would be a great idea because Android One, Google's very, very pleased and proud with Android One, which is their, uh, it is actually, no jokes about it, the latest version of Android, just with a lot of the stuff that causes uh, lower capacity, lower memory capacity and lower CPU capacity uh, phones to stutter and stumble and lay on the floor twitching. Uh, so it's a way to create a version of Android that will run really great on low-cost hardware. Uh, and I would love to see something with pixel-level engineering behind it that could be sold at the level that we used to be able to buy like Nexus phones for. Uh, and that I, that uh, joy is seemed to have died on the vine because the rumor also says that it will not be in wide release. Uh, that's, uh, that's made specifically for markets that are dominated by low-cost phones like India. So like, oh, yeah, I wonder. do I have business in India? Can I buy a phone and just like hide it in my sock so I, so it will not be confiscated when I come past the border? Because that, that sounds like a phone I'd be very interested in. And it would be an interesting experiment because we've heard from a lot of listeners before that like, hey, you know, Google used to have these inexpensive sort of Nexus devices and you used to have a choice between, you know, inexpensive and slightly more expensive. And now it's just top end or nothing like if you want the pixel you got to pay premium dollars it would be a really interesting experiment if this thing retails for like 250 dollars or something like that like in the u.s to sell those two side by side and just see the number of sales you get i guess that's not something google's interested in doing but i'd be interested to see that just to see how many people end up putting you know their small amounts of money next to where their mouth is like they're like i want a cheap phone here's a cheap phone and it looks like from the leaked screenshots anyway, it looks like a pretty decent phone, like in sort of in the in the spirit of those old sort of HTC and the Nexus devices. Yeah, I mean, we keep praising Motorola for having really good budget phones, uh, but it would be nice to see, I, don't, I, I, I would definitely not want Google to ruin the market for budget phones, <laughs> yeah. but I would, li- I would like to see them sort of push these companies along to they're already supporting them very well with android one uh it would be great if they were to even even continue the the nexus model by saying guess what motorola we are going to contract you to build an an android one phone under the pixel lineup because we know that you know how to make these make phones great phones for 150 bucks or 99 dollars with contract uh that do not require like two C-sized batteries to power. They're actually really good phones. Uh, and it would goose them along and help pay for a lot of their uh, R&D. Uh, and I would, like the, I would like to see the tangible investment in cheap phones uh, along with the, uh, the, the spiritual investment they're making with Android One. But I'm still like, oh, but I hope, I hope this is I, – I hope this is – just a rumor because again if uh, you know you know that uh, you, you know that uh like boy genius and all these other sites are gonna if they if it's real and gets released in india they're gonna get them and they're gonna review them yeah. and i'm gonna be like oh <laughs> <laughs> do i have are there any listeners in india who could buy one for me and mail it 
I'll, I'll even pay with I'll even pay you like a bounty that is equivalent to what I paid for my Pixel version one phone because I just think it's cool that I want one. <laughs> yeah, you never know. It could be an in demand desire, product. desire. It's already working. Desire. desire. They probably actually got the the trademark and everything on that name if they they bought all that stuff up. So they're like, here we go, unwrap this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, well, it's kind of interesting. Hmm. Well, just a rumor. So we'll we'll, we'll finish off with uh, it's another. See, another reason why I like Google is that they they. They do a lot of stuff, but they have a lot of arguments with themselves about the stuff they do. Uh, news, and uh, I saw in the New York Times, but it's been reported elsewhere, uh, Google's, uh, Google employees are protesting uh, the company's contract to furnish the, US, furnish the Pentagon, the U.S. military, with AI technology. Um, the, Depart- uh, the Department of Defense has this thing, they, this group they've just formed called the Algorithmic Warfare Cross-Functional Team. Listeners, if you are on this team or know someone on this team and you have hats, T-shirts, or patches, I so I want one of those patches with the <laughs> Algorithmic Warfare Cross-Functional Team logo on it even more than I want this Desire phone. That's saying something. You've just heard me move wow. over how much I want this phone. That has got to be one of the most kick-ass baseball caps you could enter any room in. Uh, but anyway, uh, so so uh, Project Maven, the intention is for this group is to invest really heavily in the development of new computer vision systems uh, because they're collect their drones and other sources, but mostly drones, are collecting just hours and hours of video and photos every single day. And their, their military is getting this data way quicker than human staff can process it. So the idea is to apply, develop super advanced algorithms and uh, machine learning that can help them figure out what this video, what is in this video and what, what it can tell them. Um, so I've been, I was reading the actual DOD page and the, uh, like a military page explaining it. The practical focus of Maven appears to be not equipping autonomous drones with the brains required to find, to scan, uh, scan an area for a target, pick that target and then kill that target. It really is just to, again, here's footage we have collected. Is there anything in this 700 hours of stuff that we would, we might, might want to have a human take a look at later. Uh, Google has specifically said, uh, even before this protest letter uh, came to, came to light uh, that uh, their contribution to it, or even uh, project Maven in general, it just flags stuff for human review, so it's not like live fire stuff. Uh, nonetheless, over three thousand employees, including a bunch of senior engineers, have signed a letter to Sundar Pichai. Uh, the lead paragraph is uh, in in full. We believe that Google should not be in the business of war. Therefore, we ask that Project Maven be canceled and that Google draft, publicize, and enforce a clear policy stating that neither Google nor its contractors will ever build warfare technology. Uh, Google, uh, New York Times reached out to Google for a comment about this. Uh, Google said the Pentagon was using open source object recognition software available to any Google Cloud customer, uh, and it's based on unclassified data. Another quote here from Google, the technology is used to flag images for human review and is intended to save lives and save people from having to do highly tedious work. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's... <laughs> this, is, this is an interesting topic. I actually, um, as a bit of background, I used to work um at a defense contractor like here in australia so i'm a little bit sort of familiar with this industry and and how it works and it's it's not just a euphemism that it's called defense like i know we think of our 
our armies and our militaries as being purely like offensive things. That's how people tend to think of it because that's what happens. You know, they go to war and they blow things up and people get killed. Like it's it's serious stuff. But there is a whole arm of the defense sector that is actually about defense. It's meant to be about protecting your country and securing your country and, and making sure that, you know, your country stays where it is and uh, doesn't get, you know, blown away and that sort of thing. So <laughs> I, I do feel a, a little bit conflicted by this. I know exactly what these employees are saying. Like they don't want their company to be in, associated with the military in, in, in any sort of way because that, that does bring up, you know, moral quandaries it's not like militaries don't kill civilians and don't sort of do bad things around the world they do but there's this whole other side of it that's you know to do with actual defense and um you know monitoring and you know looking after these sort of things so i don't know i don't know how i feel about this like google has said hey this is open source tech that anyone using google cloud um has access to but i do know that at the same time some companies do put in clauses that say hey you can't use this in spaceships. You can't use this in military purposes. Mm. Um, some companies go as far as to say this is open source, but you can't use it in any sort of commercial sense. So it's not like it's unprecedented for a piece of open source software to have restrictions on it. That's what the licensing um, in it is all about. So I think it is a little bit of a cop-out for Google to say, well, it's open source. What are you going to do? <laughs> like if they do want to make a stand on this, they can. They can just say this open source software is not to be used for military purposes, whatever the, the legal sort of jargonese version of that would be. You put that in your... Um, license, and then you've you fixed that part of it. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it is a cop out for Google just to say it's open source. It's not our problem. But I also I also know the the complexity that comes with working with defense contractors. Like it's not it's not purely about you know making drones that kill people. Like there are sort of huge other aspects to it as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to make light of this, but the military also needs to like clean a thousand plates and still sets of silverware in a commissary and you can't tell a company you're not allowed to make dishwashing equipment for the military uh but it's it's i I've, this is another case where sometimes i wonder if ceos have proper respect for uh, the power of silence that sometimes it's i wonder how much it would cost sundar to say that uh, we don't think that this is a problem. Yes, it is a contract. Yes, we are actively working with them. We're not just simply letting them use this open source technology. But on that basis, that is a good, uh, it's a good topic of conversation that we don't want to do harm to people. And that also means we don't want to uh, empower people who use our products to do harm to others. And again, I, I would not, I wouldn't even expect, I wouldn't even expect them to say, we're forming a committee inside Google that employees can contribute to. I'm saying that, Acknowledge that it's a problem. Acknowledge that it's something that you want to keep an eye on. Acknowledge that, and it, it gives people the impression, correct? I hope that they did think about this before simply saying you're you're going to give us how much money? Sure, uh, and it, it and it is it can have such a big ripple effect. It's um, the character of Google. I think continues to be f- straight from their origins as a university research project. I really the tone of Google. Uh, whenever yeah. I visit, whenever I look at the people who are doing hard work, is that of people uh, on university campuses with grant money uh, who are researching something. And the fact that they're making something that uh, billions of people across the planet are going to use is almost secondary to the research that they're doing. And if you live on a uni- in a university mindset, you forget about the real world. 
Uh, so maybe the next time they, they're trying to uh, hire away a really, really important AI researcher, they're going to say, oh, well, you made that you made that drone uh, drone soft. I don't want I don't want to be spending my, my life's work developing something that's going to be used to kill civilians uh, somewhere. So, no, I don't want to work for you. I'll take less money elsewhere. Uh, and on the other side, there's uh, it made me think about uh, stories of Los Alamos, uh, the scientists who are working on the Manhattan Project that uh, – uh, the United States atomic secrets uh, went to Russia very, very quickly, not necessarily because of really, really sophisticated espionage, but because there were patriotic American scientists who felt as though this a power of this magnitude did not belong in the hands of one nation, that it should that every nation should have access to it or else the United States, the, the one country that has it would turn into a bully and that was uh, whether again the I won't argue about uh, the logic uh, of that sort of decision, but I'm sure that the people that received that information, as they were nodding and saying yes, you're so right, this is such the right thing to do, I think that they're actually internally there's and to their their own superiors are saying, haha, look, we tricked these stupid eggheads into giving us the secrets of the most destructive bomb ever made. What bunch of dopes! So you kind of worry that if you don't feel if you don't convince the people who are working on your technology that you're they're doing work that is not going to be used for bad things you can't predict the things that they're going to do out of the strength of their character because they think that this thing that might be harmful to the, that this action they're contemplating that might be harmful to the company that might be harmful to the world uh is something that they are morally required to do so i openness 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 talk 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 and make sure that people, if they don't know what you're thinking, at least make sure people know that you are thinking. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I think it's actually a positive thing that you can have 3,000 or so Google employees write an open letter to Sundar Pichai, like sign it sign it themselves personally and not worry about the consequences of that. I think that that is a really interesting thing about Google as a company is they tend to, like you say, Andy, they have a lot of internal debates, they have these all-hands meetings, they have other forums where they can raise and discuss things and there does genuinely seem to be a sense of if we have some kind of concern, we can bring it to management and we can at least get a response from them. The response might not always be the, the response that we want or that we feel like is goes far enough, but at least there can be a response rather than you just having to go to work and you're like, oh, I hate the fact that my company works on this, but what am I going to do? Like there's nothing nothing I can do. I just have to sit here and either leave or take it. But this, yeah, and I hope there is a more direct response to this from management as well and it's not just that they just ignore it and it sort of disappears. Like it would be nice if they actually came out and said a bit more just, just like you're saying. Yeah. You wonder about the a lot of the worries that people are having about artificial intelligence, uh, and I really don't agree that it's a it's a technology that needs to be desperately contained and restricted, or else it's going to lead to the destruction of all humanity. But nonetheless, you just don't know what technology that uh, all these researchers, and again, this is still a research driven piece of technology. We're not at the point at which. Uh, it's so sophisticated that it is productized and compartmentalized. It is discoveries are being made and new breakthroughs are being made. And the first thing you want to do when you make a discovery or a breakthrough is to share it with the world so that they can build upon it. Uh, and sometimes, yes, exactly. When I'm a little bit, when I'm a little bit low, my blood sugar is a little bit low and I'm a little bit low on sleep. I do worry about the one little atom of, <laughs> of the, of the puzzle that will absolutely ruin AI forever and for everybody is an innocent little public blog post that someone put on their research blog. And then far away, someone realized, oh, 
you know, I bet with a little tweaks, I could make this thing self-aware and make its own decisions. <laughs> and I can actually put it, I can reverse Isaac Asimov's three three laws of robotics with the first thing it does to defend itself. Yeah. <laughs> and the last thing it does is follow its order. I, I, just, just as a research, just as a research project, I'm gonna, of course, it'll be contained so that it can't get out of its containment. But I just want to research to see what that would happen. And then, again, Terminator <laughs> 4, Judgment Day, plus 8. Well. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's not just the the, to, the topic of uh, thousands of science fiction movies. It, it, science does have a history of that as well, of coming up with well-meaning things that some scientist um, somewhere delivers, and suddenly she discovers that it's being used nefariously by someone else who looked at it and go, you know what? If I just change a few of these parameters, we have ourselves a killing machine. Like it's, yeah, it's just one of the sad sort of side effects of if you're going to continue, you know, researching things and getting better at things, and people are going to get better, unfortunately, at uh, you know warfare as well. That's that's how it works. Yeah, I, I, I hope this doesn't feel seem naive, but every time I'm confronted with this kind of problem, I always think that you're not going to – I don't know if cutting cutting into the human body uh, will or, – or trying to repair the human heart will cause the human soul to escape from that cavity and for that person left behind to be a soulless zombie. I'm saying that we don't have any evidence that's what's going to happen. And if that isn't what happens, we have the ability to advance medical science in such a wonderful way. Uh, I, I do. Th oh, sorry, maybe no, no, <laughs> slight tangent there, but <laughs> but 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 basically that uh, there there's technology that is unmistakably evil. Like saying I've got I've got this new way of uh, of aerosoling a virus that self replicates and targets anybody with uh, with 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 orange hair and kills them dead. Like okay. Definitely. Again, in interesting thought. Uh, your math does check out. We're definitely not going to do this. But most technology Even you is. Did come up with a cool brand name for it. It was going to be called the Ginger Ninja. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I, actually, I was going to go for Ginger Sol. Ginger Sol. That works too. <laughs> because spray cans. You know, you just if you. Anyway. <laughs> my, my apologies for any redheads out there. We. I love you. I, I don't know. I don't know what. I, I, I grew up in a world in which. People with red hair were just people with red hair. I don't know how, like, if it started in England or something, that there's something wrong about redheads and they should be called gingers and let's make fun of them. It was never – maybe maybe it's because I did grow up in the Boston area where there's – it's in some places it seems like one out of every four kids you meet is descended from Irish immigrants. I don't know, but anyway, uh, it's it's like so, sometimes if you if you know this thing is not going to blow up the entire planet, but you, it's worth playing with. It's worth developing. It's worth exploring. And yes, there are going to be some bad things involved with it. With it, just like you know, they uh, you develop the artificial intelligence that drives computers. Sometimes those uh, drives cars. Sometimes that artificial intelligence is going to make the wrong choice and kill people. However, even inventing a car. <laughs> in the first yep. place wound up killing lots of people but we decided that the the, the long-term effects of giving people the power to go more than walking or horse distance away from their homes every day uh particularly if a hospital is farther than walking distance away and you're hurt so badly you can't walk in the first place a motor vehicle is a really good thing so you can't you can't block technology or block progress based on what you fear will happen you can only do it when it's based on something that you know will happen even then you have to decide whether the greater good can be is, is can be served by just holding your nose and going ahead yeah yeah definitely hmm. 
that's probably um yeah pretty decent place to to wrap the show we've had some some heavy news and then some lighter news and then some heavy news again so it's it's been a been a bit of a roller coaster episode. But, we, but we did wind up talking about movie killer robots yeah so which was, was actually if i'm I not mistaken that. andy if you go way back to episode zero of material podcast that was one of our original premises i believe killer robots killer robots exactly yeah. and then when we couldn't find advertisers for our killer robots <laughs> based on android <laughs> podcast we pivoted Exactly. We did that pivot. Yep. We ran out of runway. We were burning. We, we did that disruptive pivot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so much disruption. So much disruption has happened with the show. We just disrupted entire uh, ecosystems. They're not even industries. They're that big. They're just ecosystems. I think we've also disrupted our listeners' faith in us as a, <laughs> as intelligent commentators on Google. Thank oh. God, Flo is coming back next week. <laughs> I think our listeners are thinking the same thing. They're like, I think I just realized what's missing from the show, and it's Flo. And we're like, yep, yep you're probably right. That's true. We're not going to deny it. So, <laughs> Andy, until Flo gets uh, back next week and saves us all, uh, where can people learn all about your, your new career and the, the adventures you embarked on? And where, where, where can they continue to read your stuff? Uh, as usual, uh, head for my website, uh, anatko.com, or my Twitter feed, which is also anatko, I-H-N as in Nancy, A-T as in Tom, K-O. Uh, happy to report that pretty much all the columns I was working on for the Sun-Times when we terminated our relationship have now been sold to other publications, and I will also say for a lot more money than I was getting. <laughs> that it's from, a bit of divorce or anything. Oddly but enough, a lot more wrong. money than I was getting from a print newspaper. <laughs> Uh, so uh, fastcompany.com, for instance, has a couple of the, my stuff. Uh, Macworld's going to have a couple more things. But if you uh, keep an eye on uh, my NotGo uh, not feed at Twitter and just go to NotGo.com, I'm going to try to remember to post links to that. And I, like I alluded to earlier on, I have nothing official to say, but uh, if you like reading my stuff and you would like to either contribute towards the creation of my stuff monetarily or bask in the glow of all the kind people who contributed money uh, toward the creation of my stuff, which I posted on the website where you could read it anyway. Uh, stay tuned because, again, I, uh, I intend to have an announcement on that uh, sometime well before Worldwide Developer Conference uh, in, on June 4th, probably uh, early to mid-May. Ooh, that's excellent. I'm really excited about that, Andy. I'm not even just saying that because I'm one of your co-hosts. And I, I just have a lot of writers that I respect that have gone to that business model. They've done some kind of Patreon level thing or some membership sort of, uh, you know, thing behind their website or whatever. And it's worked out. I think in almost all the, all the cases I can think of, they were really hesitant about doing it. What will people think? Will people pay me money? It turns out that there are quite a few people that will give you money. So I'm looking forward to you both getting that money and then realizing that, you know, a whole bunch of your listeners want to give it to you. Like it's I also hope you take me out for lunch. You know, next time we meet, now when you're rolling and all this uh, free listener money that's coming in, or read money, that I should if, say. If if we have lunch, that means that at some point you have spent 18 hours on a plane, which means that somebody <laughs> owes you one hell of a nice meal. So you can count on that. <laughs> True, we are separated by a lot of times. We keep having daylight savings issues as well. Your country changes at my country, so it's, it's very confusing. Um, if you want to find anything about me, you can go to twitter.com. Uh, slash Rusty Shelf, where you can find my fairly inane ramblings. There's nothing interesting there, but you're welcome to go check it out. Uh, if you want to find out more about our show, you can go to relay.fm slash material. And we've talked about memberships. We've got memberships on there as well. Um, a portion of all that, that you put into that box there like goes to us, so we're, we're really excited about that. Um, I'm trying to think. We're Material Podcast on Twitter. We're also materialpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to send in feedback, we've got quite a lot of feedback. Um, we're saving that for next week. When Flo gets back, we'll, we'll cover some of your questions and then sort of things like we hope we can answer them. We just didn't want to do it without Flo because the answers just wouldn't be as interesting. Let's let's be honest. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Ah, so until uh, next week, dear listeners, enjoy. Enjoy wherever you are. I hope you're making your family envious on social media. If you're not, just doctor some photos. It's fine. They're not going to know. And we will see you all next week. 